Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Physiology by Physio and Inside the Boards podcast. Uh, my name is Greg Rodden and I'll be your host. So I'm really pumped to share another episode focusing on heart sounds with you. Uh, for our first time listeners, I should note that the guys from Physio will occasionally reference slides and figures from their videos, but don't worry, they do a great job of explaining everything in detail so you won't get lost. Throughout this episode, there will be recordings of heart sounds with a bunch of examples of murmurs. Uh, the first heart sound that you'll hear in each recording will be a normal S1 and S2, and then the audio of the murmur will kick in. I did this to help provide an initial reference point for the listener, so I hope that that helps. Also, for most of the episode, it'll probably be best to listen on one speed uh, rather than speeding things up. But thankfully, it's a short episode, so this shouldn't be too much of a burden. All right, and for the rest of the episode, I'm just going to let the guys from Physio take it away. So enjoy. So let's get started. So here are the locations that one would auscultate on a patient. The aortic valve is best heard here in the right sternal border in the second intercostal space. The pulmonic valve is best heard on the exact opposite side over here. The tricuspid valve is best heard here on the left sternal border in the fifth intercostal space. This also happens to be the best place to hear a ventricular septal defect as well. And the mitral valve is best heard here in the fifth intercostal space in the midclavicular line. Next, let's talk about the normal heart sounds. These include the S1 and S2 sound. The S1 sound is caused by the mitral and tricuspid valve closing, and this marks the beginning of systole. The S2 sound is caused by the aortic and pulmonic valves closing, and this marks the beginning of diastole. If you can know these two sounds and identify them, learning and discerning each heart murmur will be so much easier. So let's listen to what this sounds like. Now let's focus just on systolic murmurs. Systolic murmurs occur during systole after the mitral and tricuspid valves close, as I mentioned before. There are mainly four systolic murmurs you should remember. First is mitral and tricuspid regurgitation. I like to group these up because they sound so similar. In fact, you can also group ventricular septal defect with mitral and tricuspid regurgitation because they look so similar on a waveform and they sound so similar. Next is mitral valve prolapse or MVP you may often see. And then you have aortic stenosis is another systolic murmur, extremely high yield one. And then of course, a ventricular septal defect as we just discussed. All right, everybody, this is Greg from Inside the Boards. And I'd like to cut in here and give a quick shout out to our sponsor for this episode, which is Physio. If you haven't figured this part out yet, we at Inside the Boards really do love what the guys at Physio are doing for the scene of medical education. Uh, first off, they produce this fantastic library of easy-to-consume videos, which cover everything you need to know about physiology for your classes and for the boards. But then they didn't stop there. They went on to produce two more libraries of rock-solid instruction for biochem and biostats, and their microbiology videos are currently in the works. So they're just super busy, and they're getting it done. 
But in creating new content, they didn't just like stay in their comfort zone with the old 15 minute long whiteboard style video. No, 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 no. At Physio, they understand that while some topics are best learned by focusing on the underlying process, other topics will just require brute force memorization. So to meet the needs of their learners, the guys at Physio came up with a cool new hybridized learning style that includes both Pathoma-style whiteboard videos integrated together with sketchy-style picture mnemonics. And by seamlessly integrating these two tried-and-true teaching tools, Physio will help you to master med school. Make sure you stick around for the rest of the episode so that you can hear about the exclusive deal that we at ITB got for you, the listener. And now, back to the show. So the question is, what can cause systolic heart murmurs? Okay, so if blood goes back through what should be a closed mitral valve, this will create a systolic murmur. We get this kind of rumbling during systole, after S1 and before S2. And this is called mitral regurgitation. Okay, if blood goes back through the tricuspid valve during systole, you will get tricuspid regurgitation. Okay, now there's something called mitral valve prolapse which can occur. And these two valves, or these two leaflets on the mitral valve, are normally held closed by chordae tendinae. If damage occurs to the chordae tendinae, then when the left ventricle begins to contract, pressure will build up and this mitral leaflet here will be forced open. This creates a sound called the mid-systolic click. This can also cause mitral regurgitation. You can imagine that if this leaflet opens during systole, when the ventricle is contracting, blood can then enter the left atrium. And you can also get this rumbling following that for the remaining duration of systole. Now let's talk about aortic stenosis. So if the aortic valve is stenotic, we'll just draw a stenotic valve right here, the blood would not be able to flow through as well. So on the waveform, it would look something like this. We have S1 and S2, but we get this crescendo, decrescendo appearance. Now let's talk about ventricular septal defect. Recall from the lecture on heart pressures that the pressure in the left heart is higher than the pressure in the right heart, which is lower. So if you have a ventricular septal defect, blood will move from the left ventricle to the right ventricle during systole. So just to review, the systolic murmurs that you need to know are mitral regurgitation, which sounds a lot like tricuspid regurgitation, as well as ventricular septal defect. And then mitral valve prolapse has this signature mid-systolic click. And then finally, aortic stenosis has this crescendo, decrescendo appearance. So these are the high yield systolic murmurs that you need to be familiar with, and you need to know how they sound. So starting with mitral and tricuspid regurgitation, as well as ventricular septal defect, instead of keeping the blood where where it belongs in the ventricles, you get this regurgitation sound. So now let's listen to it. Now let's compare this to the normal heart sound. So now let's talk about mitral valve prolapse. In mitral valve prolapse, recall that the chordae tendinae tense up, and this tensing of the chordae tendinae, which hold the mitral valve 
closed normally, create this mid-systolic click. This mid-systolic click can happen anywhere during this systolic phase. And sometimes you'll see it later, sometimes you'll see it earlier. What's important is that you recognize the S1 sound and the S2 sound, and that you know that the click happened during systole and not diastole. Now let's see if you can identify the S1 and S2 heart sound and identify when the click happens. Now let's move on to aortic stenosis. So we have aortic stenosis here. So we still have S1 and S2, but they're just completely overwhelmed by the sound of the turbulence from the aortic stenosis. So the ventricle is pushing against the stenotic valve and you get this classic crescendo, decrescendo appearance. And this time pay careful attention to the overwhelming sound of the stenotic valve. You won't really hear S1 and S2. Okay, now let's talk about diastolic heart murmurs. Recall that diastole occurs after the aortic and pulmonic valves close, and the murmurs include mitral stenosis and aortic regurgitation. Remember that during diastole, the mitral valve should be open, so if it's stenotic, you get this mitral stenosis murmur sound. So with mitral stenosis, blood has a hard time leaving the left atrium to enter the left ventricle because the valve is so stenotic. And this creates a murmur. So you get this mitral stenosis murmur. And mitral stenosis is a diastolic murmur. And you can notice here at the beginning part of diastole, you see this opening snap in this region. And the gap between S2 and that opening snap is pretty important. This is where the left atrium is trying to press against the stenotic valve. And then finally, when there's enough pressure in the left atrium, it can snap open. So this is, as we said before, called the opening snap. So now let's listen to the waveform. So now let's talk about aortic regurgitation. Aortic regurgitation occurs when the aortic valve opens when it shouldn't, and you get this backflow of blood from the aorta into the left ventricle. And so this creates turbulence and creates the classic sound of aortic regurgitation. And aortic regurgitation is a diastolic murmur. So let's listen to this. Now let's talk about atrial septal defect. Now, atrial septal defect, or ASD, doesn't really fall into a systolic versus diastolic murmur very easily because it can create a systolic and a diastolic murmur. As discussed in the section on heart pressures, an ASD will cause blood to flow from the left to the right. This transfer of blood across the defect does not itself cause an audible murmur. The reason an ASD causes murmurs is because of increased flow across the tricuspid valve and the pulmonic valve. So the increased flow across the tricuspid valve here 
would create what type of murmur? Would it be systolic or diastolic? Well, ask yourself, when is blood normally flowing through the tricuspid valve? Well, the tricuspid valve is open and blood is flowing through it during diastole. So this would be a diastolic murmur. We also said that increased flow would occur through the pulmonic valve. So would the increased flow through the pulmonic valve be a systolic or a diastolic murmur? Well, when is blood normally flowing through the pulmonic valve? Well, during systole. So this would be a systolic murmur. So recall that increased flow across the pulmonic valve, which we just discussed, will delay the closure of the pulmonic valve. And as discussed earlier in this lecture, this would create a fixed splitting of S2 because the aortic valve always closes before the pulmonic valve in these ASD patients, regardless of whether the patient is breathing in. So the systolic murmur. And it's also possible to get the diastolic murmur in some patients. So now let's listen. Now let's talk about continuous heart murmurs. And continuous heart murmurs span systole and diastole. So you might see pan-systolic or holosystolic. These terms will describe the continuous heart murmur. And the classic example is a patent ductus arteriosus, or PDA. So let's talk more about a PDA. Prenatally, blood normally flows from the pulmonary artery to the aorta via the ductus arteriosus. But if this channel persists after birth, it's called a PDA, or patent ductus arteriosus. In a PDA, blood flows from the aorta into the pulmonary artery, so it reverses direction, because after birth you have a lot higher pressure in the aorta than in the pulmonary artery. And this is a continuous murmur because pressure is higher in the aorta during systole and diastole. So the cardiac cycle is really irrelevant for the PDA and when you can hear it because the aorta constantly has higher pressure than the pulmonary artery. So blood will constantly be flowing from the aorta into the pulmonary artery. So the murmur is considered continuous. The best place to auscultate this is actually in the subclavicular region. That's where the sound actually travels. So now let's listen to it. Okay, and the time has arrived for the big reveal that was promised. For ITB listeners, we were able to secure you a limited time 25% discount if you enter the code ITB25, as in 25%, at checkout. And guess what? That's it for this episode of Physiology by Physio. So thanks for listening and learning. Now go live it up.